came on a good Sunday. Um, we had a great meeting yesterday with the Omega uh, missions team. Yesterday, it was a really good thing. Um, we have in our midst one of my favorite people on the planet, uh, Drew Grubbs. Uh, Drew has been a friend. A, uh, I've known Drew for a, for a while, for a while. And now we've been friends for a couple of years. So we've, we've met as an acquaintance back, in, um, back, in the, uh, back at the other church. Um, and as he helped uh, transition uh, into, for youth pastoring, that kind of stuff. Uh, Drew has been a youth pastor in this area. Uh, just big kind of stuff, right? And um, just a big deal. Youth pastor in this area, when people say, man, how do you do youth ministry? This is a guy they kind of come and ask. And also, he's also now a pastor down in um, uh, Tampa, near Tampa, Florida. And, um, and so he does that. And also, he also does this. He is the, he is a, pre are you the president of your organization? Is that, is that the title? What's your title? He's the big guy in his organization, uh, Youth Outreach United, which funds uh, youth ministries all over does amazing, amazing things, raises tons of money, and sends out all these people to do youth ministry all over, really all over the Southeast, would you say? And, um, and so, and he's also just personally been a personal good friend of mine. He is someone when we're going through, when the church is going through things or we have questions, he is one of the first people I call, is Drew Grubbs. So he helps me. He's been a mentor to me. He's given me advice. He's helped me in so many different ways. I appreciate his ministry so much. I appreciate him speaking to our to uh, uh, Omega Missions yesterday, giving help, giving vision and, and direction. And so can we just give a good, warm welcome to my friend, Drew Grubbs. Come on up, Drew. Well, good morning. All right. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Colossians chapter 4. We'll get right into it this morning. Colossians chapter 4. Uh, starting in verse 2. Let me read you a few verses and then we'll, we'll talk about them. It says, uh, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am changed. This is the Apostle Paul talking. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I had a chance to go to Promise Keepers back in the day and heard a speaker give this particular phrase. I, I, it threw me off a little bit because I didn't totally like the first half, I, it, but, but, the, but it made sense and I knew that it was the right thing. Here's what the phrase was. More time spent with less people equals greater kingdom impact. Now, I love the last part. I love greater kingdom impact, but I like spending more time with more people. You know, I, you know, and, and so I was like, hey, I, I like to just spend as much time with as many people as possible. But even though we've seen some amazing things in business, whether it's Amazon or whether it's Google or any of these things, uh, there's never been any plan or strategy greater than what Jesus Christ did when he came to this earth. I'm even talking pragmatically. There is no one more famous than Jesus, despite what the Beatles said, right? There, there, there's no one more famous than Jesus. Yet he waited until he's 30 to get everything kind of going, knowing that he only had 36 months. And he, and he, spent, he spent a lot of his time with, with a few people, kind of explaining at the campfire what he just said to a lot of people, right? So God kind of has a different way of doing it. And, and to be honest with you, at the end of the day, uh, when my kids maybe have a chance to kind of at three in the ministry, so maybe they'll figure out something to do when it's all over, and, and we have a little goodbye service for me. They'll, they'll come up with. So I hope that they say our dad made a maximum kingdom impact with his life. I, I hope that that's what they see was that the time that God gave me on this earth, the talent that God gave me, the treasure that God gave me, that I put it into play to see God's kingdom done here on this earth, to see God's will done in my life and in the lives of those around me. That's really what I want at the end of the day, right? And so this morning, I want to talk to you about what, what, how do we position ourselves to make a maximum kingdom impact? How, how is a person supposed to do this? So look right here at the very first verse. He says, devote yourselves to what? To prayer, right? Devote yourselves to prayer. You know why? Because this is God's business that we're a part of. 
This is God's agenda that we're part of. It's His glory that we're here for, right? Not our own. And so we devote ourselves to this idea of going to God in prayer, and we're watchful and we're thankful. By the way, prayer works. One day a, a guy came to my youth group. We had about 20 kids in this youth group. And the guy steps in and he looks around and he seemed very perplexed. He was like, I don't understand exactly what's happening here. I said, well, what's wrong? He said, there's only one girl in this entire room. And I said, well, yeah, it's, we're kind of like the Smurfs. You know, <laughs> we, just got, we, got, we got one girl and just a bunch of guys. He says, it's weird. It's weird. He, he said, I have two sons. I don't want my sons going to a youth group with one girl. I mean, after all, I have two sons, right? I mean, this is not going to work at all. And he, he, says, uh, he says, well, have you ever asked God to bring girls to your youth group? I said, well, I guess that'd be better than standing on the road with a sign. We need girls in the youth. You know, I, so I, I said, well, yeah, I mean, let's, let's do it. He said, well, I'm going to pray with you. We're going to pray that God bring some girls to this youth group. Well, guess what? Our youth group group got about 40 40 people in youth group, guess what? Half half guys, half girls. It was weird. It was weird. It was, it was almost like almost like God answered our prayer. <laughs> I was sitting down with a with a with a buddy who is his name is Brad Everett. He's the head of black ministries for uh the uh InterVarsity College Ministry. We were having some chilies and uh and just sharing some chips and salsa. Whew, it was a special moment. But anyway, so we're kind of talking it through. He said, let me ask you something, brother. He said, you're the, you're the youth guy, right? I said, I'm, I'm a youth guy. You know, he said, uh, how diverse is your youth group? I said, well, it, it's not. <laughs> we got guys and girls. So, I mean, now, we, you know, he says, do you want it to be diverse? I said, you know what? I, I kind of do want it to be diverse. He said, he said, have you ever asked God to make your youth group diverse? Because in our county, there wasn't a youth group that was truly diverse. There wasn't one that was like that represented a lot of different people in one place. And so he said, he said, how about I ask God right now at this table to make your youth group diverse? I said, let's do it. So he prayed. Hang on, we're gonna do a little Mr. Rogers here. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I need to tie my shoe. If, if I if I go down, it would be just terrible, you know. Um, my wife would want to see the video later. But anyway, all right. So uh yeah, yeah, exactly. It definitely. I have a few people that might want to see it. But anyway, um, so Brad says to me, I'm going to pray right now over this chips and salsa that God will make your youth group diverse. Out of nowhere, I met a little girl named Lakira who was a sophomore in high school. And she said, Mr. Grubbs, she was a, at the private school I was at. She said, Mr. Grubbs, can I come to your youth group? I said, Lakira, you can come to your youth group as long as you bring your friends. She said, well, I, I got a lot of friends. <laughs> I, said, I said, bring them. So she brought 40 of her black friends to my youth group. My youth group went from 40 to 80, half black, half white, and Sergio. He was representing. Now, let, let, let me just tell you something. God's in the business of answering prayers. And sometimes we don't pray like we believe it. And sometimes we don't pray specific prayers because we might have to talk about it later and see what happened in that. Little girl came up to me in an apartment complex here in the International Village. She walked up, and, and she's probably in the third grade. And I said to her what everybody else was saying, but all of a sudden the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I said, come here a second. I said, is there anything before, as we get going here, is there anything that you need me to pray for for you? And as soon as I said that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. No one has ever asked her that question in her life. No one has ever asked her if there's anything that I can pray for you. Do you realize that in this city right now, there are people that nobody is praying for. There's people that nobody is thinking about their spiritual journey and their spiritual transformation. But you and I, every time we come into contact with somebody, we can kind of get to know them, know their name, know their story, and we can let them know, hey, we're devoting ourselves to prayer for you. And we want to ask you what it is that you want us to pray for specifically. Do you want your marriage to be put back together? You want your money to be put back together? You want to be set free from drugs and alcohol and pornography? Do you want God to move and to work in your life? Just ask us so that we can ask him on your behalf. Let me tell you something. This isn't the, this isn't the secondary ministry. This is the ministry. The ministry is you and I engaging with lost people and even believers who need, who need to be encouraged and asking them, how can I pray for you? How can I fight for you? Anybody ever had anybody fight for you? I've had some people fight for me. 
Over the years, when we were going through challenging things, my wife and I have been married for 33 years. I spent more time learning how to drive than how to be married. And driving's easier. And there were times, man, where I thought this, the wheels are coming off a little bit here. Things are not working the way that we need to be. And I would wake up in the night, and I'd see my wife at the edge of her, our bed on her knees praying for, for me. And she, Let me tell you something. God was winning right there. God was winning. When I looked over and saw my wife on her knees begging God to fix what was going on in me, I knew he was going to do that. And he did. And, and, and we even now today, four, four sons, three in the ministry, one serves as a Marine. People ask us this question, hey, hey can you give a, a conference on parenting? I'm like, it'd be kind of short. Uh, like, thank you, God, right? You know? <laughs> thank you, right? You know, marriage, that seminar would be interesting too, you know? God showed up. Uh, we tried to blow it up numerous times, and he said no, right? Let's have some snacks. That's your conference, right? <laughs> At your conference, I don't know how to parent. I don't know about marriage. All I know is that I'm in touch with the one who does know. And I prayed and asked desperately from time to time, right? God wants us to be devoted to prayer. He says that he wants us to be watchful. What am I watching for? Well, I'm watching for an opportunity to intercede on someone's behalf. I'm watchful and I'm looking for a way to encourage somebody who's close to me. Listen, listen I, I've been doing this for a long, long time. One day I was speaking at Keswick Christian School, one of the private Christian schools, and as I was speaking, I spoke to about 180 kids that day, one talk after another, 45 minutes long each, seven in a row. At the end, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling it. Like my lower back's going out. I'm like, kids, bring a stool. You know, I, you know, I, I mean, it, and this little girl pulls out a piece of paper, and she, she writes a note to me. I got it out in the car. Right? Well, I got it in my car back home. She writes a note to me about me. She's like, I love the fact that you tell us funny stories, that you always tell us what's real. With us. She just wrote this whole thing. I, I, kept, I kept that note. I, I pastor a church. I lead a nonprofit. I do a lot of different things. Guess what? I don't get a ton of those notes. I get some notes from time to time. I don't get a ton of them just like that. And I promise you, that note's not going anywhere. Because every once in a while, when I'm sitting in my car and I'm giving it up for a lot of different people and a lot of people are causing me problems, I reach in there and pull out that note. And I say, you know what? That's why we do what we do. And I just keep doing what it is that God told me to do, whether people are nice to me or not. Right? Like they say in the Calvary Chapel, we work with sheep and sheep bite. Right? You know, it, it, it's, just part, it's just part of it, right? I'm looking for things. I'm watchful for ways to intercede, to encourage. I'm, look, I'm watchful for ways to show people God's love. I'm watchful for opportunities to serve people and to meet a need that they may have in their life. I'm watchful for opportunities to teach the Word of God because the Word of God is full of truth, and the truth sets a person free. So as I'm praying, I'm watchful for the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people, to teach it, and to share what it is that will change everything for them. I'm watchful for the opportunity to give. I stopped, I stopped being that guy that thought when someone presented a need that someone else would do it all the time. And I started, I started, I switched it up, and I assumed that maybe God wants me to be a part of this. Maybe God wants me to give to this missionary. Maybe God wants me to give to this campus ministry. Maybe God wants me to do these things. And so, I, and so as I'm praying, I'm watchful for opportunities to intercede, encourage, love, serve, teach, give. I'm watchful, looking for the opportunity, like Galatians 6 says, the opportunity, opportunity to do good to everyone, especially to the household of faith. Guess what? When I'm praying, I'm also thankful. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful that God loved me even while I was still a sinner. He, he, he loved me when I didn't know how to love him back. He, he died for me even though my nature was a, an offense to his own father. He died for me on a cross so that I could be made whole again. I'm grateful for that kind of love. I'm grateful that that kind of love is not stoppable, that it's unconditional. That, that I'm experiencing it now. I'll experience it through this life, and I'll experience it for eternity. 
I'm thankful for that kind of love. I'm thankful for salvation. Guess what? When I got saved, it wasn't because I figured God out. God opened my eyes. Well, it wasn't because my heart was made new, because my heart was altogether wicked. God reached in and gave me a new heart. He saved me from myself. He saved me. I didn't get lucky. I didn't end up in the right place at the right time. I had a divine appointment with the God of the universe, and he saved me. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that he loved me. I'm thankful that he saved me. I'm thankful that he reconciled my relationship with his father. See, God the Father is altogether righteous, and I was altogether not. That's a real problem. How can a person that's not righteous be made right with a God that's altogether righteous? Well, somebody has to step in and bridge the gap, and that's what Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, did for me. That's what he did for you. He, he bridged the gap so that we could be reconciled back to the God who made us, who loves us, who wants to be in relationship with us. See, some people, they, they, when they get saved, they're thinking, i got to list off all the dumb things I've done. Some people even measure the dumb things they've done against the good things they've done. Right. The, the, the man on the street that Kirk Cameron did, he asked the question, do you consider yourself basically a good person? Guess what? The answer was what? Yes, I do. I'm not like this guy. So they took it to death row where people were interviewed. Here's the question. Do you consider yourself basically a good person? The only people asked were people who had committed two homicides. What do you think they said? Yes. <laughs> what? There is no one righteous, not even one. Sin is sin to God. There's some things and some thoughts that go through people's minds that are, that are murder in their hearts, adultery in their hearts. There, there, there's things. And, and so we stand before God, and we need to be reconciled. I'm thankful that he did that. I'm thankful that he forgave me and continues to forgive me. Guess what? I, I need forgiveness a lot. Attitudes, thoughts, agendas that are not where they're supposed to be. And every time I can go to him and I can say, God, please forgive me for that. Please forgive me for having a, a, an attitude that would be hurtful or harmful to other people. And he does. He's faithful and just to forgive you and me. Over and over and over and over again. I'm grateful that he gave me purpose in this life. That I'm not just roaming around trying to figure out why I'm here. But that God showed me, I've set you apart to do this particular role and to advance my kingdom this particular way. I'm going to tell you something. In this room right now, if there's some of you who are lacking purpose, like you're saying, what in the world is it that God wants to do through me? I'm going to tell you that the Apostle Paul said he was set apart from birth to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and the Apostle Paul is no different than you. So, whoa, whoa, he wrote half the New Testament. He did this, he did that. Yeah, he is a little different than you. He killed a bunch of Christians, including Stephen, one of the greatest deacons to ever live. And when Paul said, uh, I consider myself one of the worst sinners, he wasn't making stuff up. He was remembering. He was remembering where he came from. And so here you and I are, we're in the situation where God wants to show you what it is that he wants to do with you. He wants to show you how to use your time, talent, and treasure to bring glory and honor to him. He wants you to step into your purpose. If Paul had a purpose, you have a purpose. If Paul was set apart from birth, so were you. Another thing I'm thankful for is hope. Man, I can't tell you how many times I sit down with people who, they're woke. They know everything. They're enlightened now. They're enlightened. And they help me. They sit down with me and they explain how this world works and how and how and how I used to. I mean, I'm sitting down with college, I sat down the other day with two college girls and explained to me how the world worked. It was wonderful. Both of them combined have not been on the planet as long as my wife and I've been married. <laughs> yeah. But it was great because I didn't know anything. And they said, you haven't said much. I said, well, you, I, I don't have much room really to say much. I said, plus, I'm digging. We were at Chili's again. I'm digging these chips, right? You know, so, so if you guys want to kind of explain to me how the whole world works, I, I'll just eat these. They said, you don't want to give us any verses? I said, I want to ask you one question. One question. 
Is all of that working? Is that working? I just want to ask you one question. Are you happy? And don't lie to me because you told me you wanted to kill yourself and you told me that you have no reason to even live, that you don't even know what you're here for. And you're explaining to me how the world works. And I'm telling you that this 52-year-old who got saved at seven years old has seen a lot of different things over this life. And what works is 66 inspired books from, from the Word of God. What works is having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You went woke, and then you died in your heart. You, you, you tried to figure out everything and how to just get in alignment with this world, and this world didn't know what it was thinking. Just keeps changing its mind. Keeps pushing for something more and more and more. I'm just telling you, I'm watching a lot of young people who are hurting inside. And they need, they desperately need to have a direct encounter with Jesus Christ full of all the things that I'm thankful for. They need to have an encounter that brings love and salvation and reconciliation and forgiveness and hope. There's nobody else that's going to fix hearts like Jesus. He's the only one that knows how to do it. It's an amazing thing for me to sit there and watch. I, by the way, I'm not, I'm not mad with this generation at all. I'm sad. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, what are, what are you guys thinking? You're, you're not smart. You're not, no, 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 no. I'm desperate for God to show up and for God to work in their hearts and in their lives. And He is. Revivals happen. Let me tell you a little about a little revival in, in, the, in the top part of Pinellas County where I live. Since Christmas Day, 400 kids have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior in the public schools in our area. Guess who shared the gospel with them? Teenagers. Teenagers are the ones sharing the gospel with these kids, and they're responding in droves. God's not done. He's never done reaching lost people. He's never done healing broken hearts. He's never done fixing the mess that we made. He doesn't get done. Until, until it's just done. And we're with him face to face, right? The fight's on. And guess what he's in the business of doing? Winning. That's what he's in the business of winning. It's the only thing he knows how to do. And so I'm watching all of this. It's incredible. Now, we must devote ourselves to prayer. We're going to make a maximum kingdom impact. All of that, by the way, was the first point. <laughs> You're like, That's a lot of words, man. Just stay steady. It's all good. Number two, we need to pray for and walk through the open doors to preach the gospel. Look what Paul says. He says, and pray for me, for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am changed. We need to pray for and ask God to open up doors for you and I to share the gospel with lost people. So our little church has just less than 100 people. And, and it's, a, it's an aging church, not an Asian church. It's an aging church. People are getting a little bit older, and, and uh, by, by, by older, I mean, the average age is, you know, 620, 620. I, you, know, I, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's happening, right? We wanted to reach youth and children. But guess what? There wasn't, there wasn't any youth and children there. Well, you know, so we called for children's church, and True would stand up. One little girl, she'd stand up, and she'd take off. There's our children's ministry. You just went out the door. I look out in our youth room. I'm supposed to be the youth guy. I got a church where there's like two youth, and they're mad that they're there, right? And I'm just like, what, what is, what's happening? My children's ministry director, she's discouraged. She's like, I want to I reach children, but there are no children here. I said, well, I want to reach youth, but there's no youth there. I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to them. We're going to go where they are so that we can ask God to open up the door so that we can share the gospel with children and youth. So I took off across town and got involved in campus ministry. She took off up the street and opened up a little club called Venture Club in the public school. Then we opened up another one in the neighborhood. And then we opened up another one at the church. And we opened up another one across town. Now she's got 160 kids in her children's ministry. I got about 180 kids in my youth ministry. And they still don't come to our church. What are you? What are we going? Are we really seriously 
going to sit in our church buildings and let the world go to hell because they won't come to our church? I mean, is that really what we're going to do? Are we going to get off of our bottoms and head out the door so that we can find an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to somebody who desperately needs it? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, when that happens, when you start to look for those things and you start to set up across your city gospel ministry sites where the gospel can be shared not one week, but two weeks, three weeks, four weeks in a row, and you look for more and more opportunities, here's what I love about this. The Lord really convicted me because I've had some big youth groups where kids were coming in. And we kind of built it around that one parable of like Jesus reaching Levi and Matthew, Matthew, same guy. And then they had a big party at his house and people were coming to know uh, Christ at the party and it was great. There's another banquet that he described. This banquet was one where he said, do not invite your rich neighbors or your relatives. By the way, it's a terrible church planting model. Rich neighbors are outstanding for church planting, right? <laughs> do not invite your rich neighbors or your relatives. Now watch this. Instead, invite the poor, the lame, the cripple, the blind. He lists off all these people, and, and, and guess what? He answers the question that they're asking. Because they're asking themselves the question, if we invite all those people, how's that going to work? You know what Jesus says? I love this. By the way, you got to come to grips with this. He says, and they will not repay you. They will not give you anything back. But I will repay you at the resurrection of the righteous. One day the Lord just said to me, is that, is that good enough for you? Are you willing to give away, expecting nothing in return, knowing that one day you're going to stand before me and I'll pay you back for everything that you gave away? Are you going to keep waiting and building transactional ministries? Where unless you come to my church, you ain't part of something. Unless you do what I think you should do, you ain't part of something. No, no. Game over. We need to be the church everywhere we are. We need to be loving people everywhere we go. We need to not sit there and wait and say, hey, this is a transaction. And if you don't get under our roof, then we're not doing ministry. We need to say whoever we're engaged in ministry with is our ministry. It changes things. I asked our church one time, I said, I, I had, a, had a guy, an intern, who didn't show up at the apartment ministry. Just did not show up. We had this whole bunch of kids. I said, you were supposed to teach. You were supposed to do everything. He even said out loud, I don't know what he was thinking, because everybody sitting at the table was like, oh, no. He looked right at me. He's like, it's not like I didn't show up for Sunday school. I was like, oh, oh, there's unhappiness just from head to toe. I said, what did you just say? He said, it's not like I didn't show up at Sunday school. I said, are you telling me that the rich kids in Gwinnett County who show up at our church, by the way, they were real rich. Are you telling me that the rich kids, it would be not okay with God for you to miss that time, but the Hispanic kids that we're ministered to in the apartment, it's okay with God for you to miss that? Is that what you're telling me? And then the next thing I know, I'm standing up and I'm walking around and one of my guys is like, oh no. You know, I, <laughs> I said, if you ever do that again, you're fired. You're gone. Because all of the people that we work with are the same to God. And they're the same to me. Whether, whether they're in an apartment complex or in a school or in my Sunday school, it doesn't matter. What matters is that God has given me the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. And I'm asking God to help me do it well, right? I'm asking God, no matter what group I'm in front of, to make sure that I'm prepared and ready to go. Whether it's little kids or older kids or whether it's adults, whatever it may be, God, help me, prepare me to make sure that I'm proclaiming the gospel. Paul said, just pray for me, guys. I'm in chains for this gospel, and I want to do it well. Here's the third thing. We need to pray that we clearly proclaim the gospel, ask God to help us share it in love, and watch this, without compromise and without conviction. I, I have no idea what some pastors are doing. The stuff that they believed all along, all the things that they've taught and they believe, because the world changed their way of thinking, now they're just lining right up. It's bizarre to me. 
You're, you're going to change your view of sexual morality. You're going to change your definition of marriage. You're going to change your view. E even though you believed this five years ago, even though you thought that and taught that this was the word of God, now that it doesn't make you popular, you're going to walk away. You're going to make up all kinds of crazy things so that you can be accepted by people. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. He said in Galatians 1.10, am I now trying to please men or God? If I'm still trying to please men, watch this. I am not a true servant of Christ. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will. The world is not our teacher. <laughs> the world is, we, we don't need the world to tell us how this world is supposed to be. The people of this world didn't make this world. God made this world. It's his world. It's amazing to me that we're seeing sermonettes taught by preacherettes. Little, little poetry and little, all this kind of, you know why? Because when you preach the gospel, and you explain to someone that your very nature is an offense to the God who made you and that there's nothing you can do about it and you can't fix it yourself unless you get on your knees and surrender to Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you of who you are, not what you've done, forgive you for your very nature and to change everything about you, you're going to spend eternity apart from Jesus Christ in a real place called hell. That's what's going to happen. But we can't talk about hell. We can't talk about these kind of things as if... Someone had, <laughs> I watched the seeker movement. People were like, man, we're we just going to make it all feel really comfortable for people. So they're sitting there with their glazed donut, which by the way, I got no problem with a glazed donut. <laughs> they're sitting there with their glazed donut being told that everything's about them. We're going to make everything work for you. And then all of a sudden, someone brings up the gospel. I don't care how good you made the atmosphere feel when Jesus Christ comes in. Things change forever, forever, and you die in the process. Who you were, what you wanted to do, where you wanted to go. You, you, you didn't become just a friend of Christ. You became a slave of Christ. It's no longer you who live, but it's Christ living in you. The gospel's powerful. I, I'm just going to tell you, I don't care what people think of me if I'm going to displease the Lord in the process of preaching the gospel. I won't do it. And if that means that everybody has to walk out of the room and we can't put up with this guy and he's so narrow-minded, and now, that, that's fine. Because I'm far more concerned about standing before Jesus Christ than I am about pleasing people. Preacher, preachers who love people tell them the truth. Pe pe preachers who, who, who want to be cool twist the truth around a little bit. They water it down a little bit. They kind of make it fit a certain way. But that's not loving at all. The Bible says to speak the what? The truth in love. Don't, don't give them. Remember, remember what it said? They're, what their itching ears want to hear. Their itching ears may want to hear it, but their heart needs the gospel. So it's important for you and I, we say, God, please help us not to be ashamed of the gospel. Please help us not to compromise in this world. Do you understand that we don't have to be hateful and love people? We, we, can, we can love people and care about people without being like, you're awful, what are you doing? No, you don't have to do that. The gospel comes first, life change comes second. And so you get a chance to share the gospel. But I've watched and seen people, I don't know what's wrong with them, who think that American politics are going to set everything on course again? That we we got we got to we got to do this and that. And you got to think like I do, and I got to think like you do, as if America is the is the key to every single thing. By the way, the the, the country at the center of the story is a little country called Israel. And, and so you know, if you think about all this, you got to get all hyped up. Are you this? Are you that? I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of it. And, uh, and I tell you, for me, I just say, you know what? I'm not going to let politics keep me from people. I, I'm never going to play that game where all of a sudden I have to say, hey, you're this or that because you didn't do what I wanted you to do. We can, you know where we can be unified? Not in politics. 
We're never going to find a channel that is Fox News and CNN together. We're never going to find it. But let me tell you where you're going to be unified. At the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where we can be unified. We don't, we don't have to let all these crazy things happening around us keep us from the main thing. I don't, yeah, I don't get too amped up about what's happening next and who's going to do this. And I, I don't worry about it because what my, I, I, you know who I'm into? The King of Kings. I'm into the Lord of Lords. I had a guy walk up to me. He, he was well-meaning. He loved, he loved me and he loved our church. He said, brother, he said, um, he said I, I don't know if you know this. We have, we have, an, we have an American flag in our, in our worship center. He said, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this. He says, but I, he said, I'm a, I'm a Marine. He said, you put the flag on the, on the wrong side of the room. He said, he said, it's supposed to be on the other side of the room. And I said, well, okay, so it's supposed to be on the other side of the room. I said, thank you for sharing that with me and everything like that. I said, I thought you were worried about the real flag. He said, what? I said, because well, the Christian flag's over there. I didn't realize it was on the wrong side of the room. I said, let's slide that one over. And he's like, oh, okay. I said, would you help me carry the Christian flag? And I'll help you carry the American flag. He's like, sure. So he carried the Christian flag over there. And we put it down right here. I said, here's the Christian flag. I said, let's walk across here with the American flag. I said, brother, I love the fact that you helped me straighten that out. I said, I got tons of people in the military in our church, and they probably thought I was the dumbest man who ever lived. And so I'm glad that you helped me. But I want to tell you, and I hope this is true for you, my, my heart is with the Christian flag. My heart is with Christ. I love this country. I, I, love, I love America. I love what we stand for. I love all of it. But I love Christ more. And so, so I'm just telling you, as we go along and we try to look for ways to, to preach the gospel, there's going to be times we're going to mix things together. Don't do it. Preach the gospel. Preach it without any filter so that people can understand the truth that will set them free. Now, here's the last thing. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Here's the fourth thing. We need to look for an opportunity in our relationship with the lost, in our relationships with the lost, to share the truth of the gospel. Let me ask you this. Do you have any friends that are lost? That you're, I mean, I'm talking about friends. I'm not talking about people that you just know their name. I'm talking about people who, who you love, and they love you, and they're lost as a kite. But you love them. You got cousins you got brothers and sisters, you got moms and dads, people that you love and that you care about, and they're lost. They don't know Jesus. And so we're asking God, we're asking for the opportunity for us inside of our circles. Look what he says. Make sure that when you're talking to people that, that are outsiders outside the church, that you make most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. One of the kids was asking me, when you, they said, when you drive the bus and someone starts talking to you, they said, you, do you realize how focused you are on that one conversation? They said, you're, you're just all about that one conversation. And I said, you know why? Because whenever I have a young person who starts to open up their heart, I realize that this may be it for me. This may be that one chance that I get a chance to talk, talk to them. This may be the one chance that they're willing to open up their heart. And so all of a sudden, we have a little gas station there in, in, in St. Pete called Wawa. So we go to Wawa and get all of our snacks and beverages. And... Uh, Man, when all of a sudden some kid starts to talk, I start to say, God, this is it. This is my opportunity. And, I, and I'm going to focus in, and I'm going to make the look for the opportunity to share the truth with that kid as long as I've got him right in front of me. And I'm not going to get too distracted by everything else. I'm not going to get worried about everything because I realize, wait a second, right here in front of me is an opportunity. Here was the debate back in the day. Should we be missional or are we supposed to be missionaries? Now watch this. Let me, let me help you. Because uh, that was back in the day. You're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So let me take you back to the day where there were slide projectors and Atari, right? You know, I, you know. Missional is that wherever I live, I'm looking for the opportunity to share Christ with those people. If my kid's on the swim team and I'm sitting up there watching swim meets, I'm looking for the opportunity to meet people and to know people so that I can share the gospel with them at some point when he opens up the door. If, I, if I'm on the homeowners association, when all the bitterness comes out and everybody starts yelling at each other and talking about their mother and their mother's mother, I can be that person of peace that arrived, right? So I can live missionally at the homeowners association. I can live missionally in my workplace. I can live missionally in my apartment complex. That's missional. 
That's like living on mission where I am, right? Or I can be a missionary. I can go across town to a place that has nothing to do with me, to an apartment complex I've never been in before. But because I have a heart for Christ and I want to see people come to know Christ, I can set up a ministry in that apartment and I can live as a missionary someplace that I didn't come from. So, so which one are we supposed to go? Yeah. <laughs> yes, right? There are three types of Christians. Those who go, those who sin, and the disobedient. There's only That's all. And so for me, and I'm telling you, you know what the struggle is? It's not living like a missionary, man. I love living like a missionary. I like campus ministry. I'm involved with FCA, Youth of Christ, all these different ministries. I love that. You know what it is for me? I'm going to confess, and then we're going to pray, right? I'm going to confess. For me, it's hard to live missionally because I'm flat out worn out. I'm just worn out, man. I got a lot of stuff going. So when I get to my apartment, I'm not praying that God puts someone on the elevator. I'm not. I just did 12 hours with people. And when that elevator door closes and I'm looking around, I'm like, by myself, I'm like, woohoo. Man, I should be praying that God put somebody on the elevator. I should. The other day, as a kid, talking to him, I said, brother, I got to tell you something, man. You and I talk all the time. <sighs> What's your name? You know, you know why that was hard for me to ask him what his name? Not that I didn't know his name. He didn't know my name. I just knew things might change if I knew his name. You know what I'm saying? When you walk into your apartment complex and you're like, hey, man, that's one thing. Andrew, how'd your day go? Uh-oh. Please say it was fine. <laughs> I don't think Andrew knows Jesus. He loves his wife, though. Loves his kid. Loves working for the city of Clearwater. I know that. You know why? Because I asked him. I didn't want to. I wanted to go home. That's what I wanted to do. Because I know that when my life and someone else's life get kind of connected, things get messy. Right. Right. But somebody did that for me. So, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that for Andrew. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask God, I'm gonna just, if, if I'm there, you know what? Man, we have parties in our clubhouse all the time. And I mean, in our parties at our clubhouse, my wife and I, you know what we did? We kind of went the religious route. Ah, oh, we can't go to that. There's just too much drinking. By the way, that's an understatement. But anyway, you know, it's so, you know, just too much drinking. And then I thought, you know what? That'd probably freak them out if I showed up. I'll never forget. I was in a, and I'm, I'll close with this. I became very good friends with two lesbian girls from Tennessee that lived in my apartment complex. We became very good friends. Every, and and they, were, they were in crisis. The one girl especially was in crisis. Come home, she was partying and causing problems. They were fighting all the time and arguing. And every time they get on, they'll be like, oh, you talk like us. I'm like, yeah, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. They're like, we know that you got that accent. You, that's how we talk from Tennessee. I said, I know you do. I said, let's sing a country song together. You know, you know and uh, and it was just the craziest thing. One day they, they were on the elevator and they looked over and my son was holding his guitar case. <laughs> looked down and got a big thing about Jesus on that. They're like, is he with you? I'm like, yeah, he looks familiar. I, you know, I, I said, yeah, that's, that's my youngest son. And the girl, the girl had some real issues. She said to me, she said, who are you? <laughs> so I, I, said, I said, let's go all in. I said, um, I'm a Baptist preacher. <laughs> she looks at me. I could have told her anything. I could have told her that I was an arsonist and I was on a mission, right? She would have been like, okay, a Baptist preacher. She stared at me. What? <laughs> I just added Baptist. I grew up in the Calvary Chapel. I'm helping a Baptist. I'm whatever I am. But I, I added Baptist because I knew it was just bringing it. I should have been like, I'm a Southern Baptist preacher. Yeah, I, I just I just wanted to see. And I mean, that was precious, man. I said, the look on your face right now is awesome. Tennessee, you're going wild right now. I said, that is great. 
She said, why do you always talk to us like you like us? I said, well, because I do like you. <laughs> I said, I like both of you. I said, I said, it's not about whether or not I like you or I don't like you. She said, you don't believe in all this, do you? I said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I do not believe. She said, you remember that one time that you came up and talked to us? She said, I wondered why you said that. I, I'm going too far. I'll, I'll just tell you, they, they were... <laughs> They were making out in front of our apartment complex. So, so, so I, I just walked out. I just said to them, hey, hey, I'm appreciate. Y'all live here? And this is the first time I'm in. Y'all live here? And they're like, yeah, we got an apartment up there. I said, that's awesome. Can you go up there? Right? And I, I, and I said, that's very cool. You know, I, I said, my kids are about to come out, and this is all a lot, right? You know, and they were like, yeah, whatever, you know. And so they were like, I wondered why you said that to us, right? We just thought you didn't want the children, you know, kid walking to the car, you know. We're, we're different. We're aliens and strangers in this world. We're aliens and strangers sent by God to bring hope to this world. We don't need to be afraid or mad or angry about anything. We got the love of Jesus Christ living in us. We got a peace that passes understanding. We can ask God for wisdom, and James says that he'll give it to us without finding fault. Even when you feel dumb, you can ask God to show up. I'm grateful. For Paul's prayer, that he asked God, just help me have an opportunity to share the gospel. And when the opportunity is in front of me, help me do it well. And that's my prayer for you this morning. That God gives you the opportunity, whether it's through a ministry that you're involved in, or whether it's with a neighbor that you're talking to, or a friend, whatever it may be, that there's somebody that you can just chat with, and that you can build a relationship and get to know, and that God would open up the door for you to bring the best news ever. That God loves you. And that God wants to have a intimate relationship with you and that he was willing to send his own son to die on a cross so that that relationship can be real the gospel changes everything lord i thank you for every single person in this room i thank you for the fact that you love us and that you care for us every person that knows you as their savior god i know that they can think back to a day where they came into an encounter with you to a person maybe that shared the gospel with them at church or at, at their home Maybe a parent. It is good news. It is good news that, that you love us, that you care for us, that you want to have a relationship with us. Help us to share it well with others. Help us to, to, to speak the truth in love. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it. In your name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Just bow your heads with me for. Thank you, Drew. Thank you for challenging, challenging us, reminding us our mission. Amen. So I want you to um, just bow your heads right where you're at. And um, I want you to think of that, maybe that person or those people. And the question is, have you, have you prayed about a door of opportunity? You've seen their life, you've seen where they're, they're, where they're in and and you're asked, you just ask God for an opportunity. God, we pray that you would help us to stay on mission. Holy Spirit, would you walk with us during the, our normal courses of life? God, would we be people that would pray that we wouldn't be alone in an elevator? or in a workspace, or as our neighbors are walking their dogs down the street, or that student that's in your class. God, would you help us to be light and uh, 
Yeah, and he said something that um, maybe some of us may need to, I'll just be honest, we just need to repent from. And that's just being angry. You're mad at the world. You're mad at the way it's going. But that world is made up of individual people that God loves. And sometimes that anger, and I get it, causes us to look at people in ways we shouldn't. So God, would you just help us to see people the way you see them? Because God, you died for them. And God, we just pray that correction in our hearts, God, this morning. God, how do you see them? And help us to see the way you do. God, we love you this morning. We thank you, God. Not only that, but God, we thank you that you've filled us with your spirit. You've empowered us to proclaim the good news everywhere we go. That we are an ambassador of yours in this world. Help us, God, to represent you well. Help us to say what you would have us say and do the things you would have us do. God, would you use us this week? God, would you use our church? God, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love us. Amen. 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 Just say this with me. Say, I am an ambassador, the representation of God on this planet. God, help me to see people the way you see them. And I thank you that you go with me every step of the way this week in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. That was good. One more hand. I appreciate you, Drew, so much for this weekend, for um, today. Thank you. Thank you for your friendship. Amen. God bless you guys. You are dismissed. Honduras.